Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, a Business Examiner News Group podcast. My name is John McDonald. This episode's special guest is the new president of the Electrical Contractors Association of British Columbia. He covers the organization's internal priorities for the new year, the importance of prompt payment legislation, how smaller businesses can have their voices heard, and much more. Our conversation starts now. Hi, my name is Matt McKinnis. I'm the president of the Electrical Contractors Association of British Columbia. ECABC uh, is celebrating its 70th year anniversary this year. And the association is the industry association for electrical contractors, line utility contractors. And we also represent many of the uh, suppliers and manufacturers of equipment and tools related to the electrical contracting, electrical construction sector. We provide a couple core functions for our members. I sort of group them into three buckets. One is advocacy that is specifically targeted for electrical contractors and line utility contractors with government and other public utilities or public entities. Uh, we also facilitate education and training courses for our members that is outside of the uh, the traditional apprentice and, and journey person uh, structure. And then we also uh, create and provide networking opportunities for uh, for our various members. Okay, awesome, Matt. Well, I really appreciate that background. Um, and I've been looking forward to having you on for a bit. I know you're a couple months into the role. I want to say it was around September or so uh, when you officially started. And so very cool to see. Um, and I'm wondering if you can just to start things off, just give me a little bit of a background. You know, you're the, the incoming leader. Can you talk about kind of what drew you to the role and kind of what the first couple months have looked like for you? Yeah, so I've, you're you're absolutely right. I will be celebrating my three month anniversary here any any day. And really, I think there's there's a couple core priorities for the association moving forward, which I all see as largely interconnected. At the center for me is really working with our team here and our board and our membership to raise the profile and visibility of, of ECABC. The association has a really strong, loyal, and active core base, but there, there's no question that there's a lot of opportunity and growth for the association to, to ensure that we're doing a better job of reaching everybody throughout uh, the electrical contracting sector and, uh, and doing a little bit more to support our, our line utility members as well. So, you know, fundamentally, I think we really we have some work to do to, to raise that profile and obviously enhancing uh, the profile of the association is important uh, underlying work to achieve a lot of the, the key goals of the board, such as growing the membership base, which is important for any industry association, and making sure that we have a stronger voice uh, when it comes to working alongside political decision makers at municipal and provincial level as well. Was there anything that kind of drew you to the role as you were stepping in there? I mean, we'll jump into a little bit of your your background later on, but anything in particular about the organization that kind of popped for you that you felt you could make a difference there? Yeah, so um, those two things are a little bit interrelated when you, you referenced my background. So ECABC was uh, was a client of mine when I worked as a communications and government relations consultant. So I had a fair amount of familiarity with some members of the team here, certainly with a good percentage of the board as well. So I knew I knew the industry from a communications and, and GR perspective reasonably well, and most recently between working in as a as a comms consultant, communications consultant, and coming over to ECA, I'd also spent a little bit of time with the Mining Association of British Columbia. So I'd gotten some in-house industry association experience working with MABC as well. So it was a good confluence of of opportunity and, and matching with my specific skill set and experience to to come and join ECA. 
Okay, that's tremendous. Um, and so you've and you've mentioned too one of the priorities for you is just on awareness. Is there anything in the kind of the next three to six months that you want to push here um, in terms of how you're working to build uh, awareness? I would imagine you know, looking for a certain amount of capture within the industry of how many electrical contractors are members, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I think it's a really exciting time for uh, for folks who are working in in the electrical contracting and electrical construction space, right? When you look at some of the core priorities of, you know, of the, the communities that we live in here in British Columbia, uh, a lot of what people want to see fixed or or actions that we want to see taken are really dependent on the back-end work, which is done by electrical contractors. So obviously, when you look at the macro challenges in society right now, whether that be the housing, uh, the housing crisis, both on affordability and availability, whether that be on climate change, um, all of those things, electrical contractors are very closely interconnected to. And I think that there's a good opportunity for uh, for an industry that I think has for lack of a better term, been a little bit take, taken for granted. People don't tend to think of the back-end work that's required to address these big societal challenges that we have. And, you know, as I often say, whether whether it's, you know, from from the moment that, uh, that electricity is generated to the moment that it's consumed, there's a good chance that one of ECABC's members has been in, inherently involved and intrinsically connected to making sure that that full thing, that full piece happens. And as we look to reduce climate or reduce GHGs and uh, build more homes and make our, our public infrastructure greener and more environmentally sustainable, that all requires uh, the diligent work of electrical contractors. Okay, awesome. I very much appreciate that. Um, and I want to jump into a little bit about the advocacy side. And you've talked about some of these bigger uh, bigger topics, and I know that you're you're still fresh there. So, you know, I, I'm imagining that kind of like the lobbying and the GR efforts are are still taking shape. But is there any uh, kind of key uh, priorities? You know, like your supply chain issues, human human capital needs for your sector, anything that you're specifically kind of reaching out to the government to, uh, right now to to focus on? So the two big things specific to ECABC that we're really emphasizing uh, are prompt payment legislation and advocating uh, for increased and ongoing investment in trades training for electrical apprentices. So obviously prompt payment is is something that I would I would pair I would say is the single most important issue for our members when I when I meet with our members at our regional chapter events or at our AGM the first thing that they ask me is what's going on with prompt payment legislation. For your listeners who don't know us essentially there's a big challenge in the construction sector right now uh, ensuring reliable payment timelines for contractors and subcontractors. The way a lot of contracts are, are written, um, there isn't certainty in terms of when people get paid for work that is that is complete. Uh, the biggest challenge is there can be uh, pay when paid clauses, which is sort of a colloquial way of saying that uh, an owner or a general contractor may not pay its its contractors until after they've gotten their check from higher up in the construction pyramid. What this means is that it it will often take months uh, for contractors after work has been uh, completed for them to get paid. And as we all know, in the business world, cash flow is king. And if you don't know when uh, when you're going to get paid for work that you've already completed, it creates a lot of challenges. And you see a lot of situations and circumstances where businesses are forced uh, to take out loans in order to uh, cover their the cost of their their workforce or to cover the cost of their supplies. Obviously. Just because you haven't been paid by your your GC doesn't mean that you can go to your supplier and say, "Hey, it's going to be a couple more months before we're going to be able to pay for those materials that we we purchase." 
So that's that's the number one advocacy issue for for ECABC, and we we work really closely with other industry associations like BC Construction Association, our friends at the Mechanical Contractors Association. We're all very aligned on the the important priority that this this really should be for the BC uh, provincial government. Okay. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And definitely I had a, a conversation with Chris Anderson from the BC Construction Association on the on this podcast last year uh, about the same topic. So yeah, really we worked really closely with Chris on this. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I, I I've seen some changes in the headlines, but uh but I'm hoping for some more progress for you guys there. Um something I did want to ask too here is about participation uh from your members and i think like what's beautiful about an organization like yours is there's kind of this this strength in numbers aspect you know so let's say for an electrical contractor working in nanaimo or campbell river or Kelowna, they've got five to ten employees what's the best way that they can kind of have their voice heard uh, at an organization like yours absolutely it's a great question and the the, you know the the cheeky answer is the simplest way is to to make sure that you are an active member in, in ecabc and both parts of that are both words that I use are important. One, it's it's great to have membership, but in order to really get the most out of it, you need to have that level of activity and engagement with the association. And that's you know there's a there's that's on us to make sure that we're we're listening and hearing the voice of folks. But we also encourage people to ensure that they're they're attending events. So for those, especially on the island or or outside of the Lower Mainland, we do have uh, regional chapters, is what we call them. So we have an, a chapter on Vancouver Island. That uh, that hosts and one in in the central interior, which is predominantly based in Prince George, who put on uh, a combination of sort of uh, education and, and networking opportunities throughout the year. A, a common sort of you know, so there's an opportunity to to go out hear from a speaker who has a specific subject matter expertise. Obviously, the new electrical code is is a common uh, and, and hot topic amongst electrical contractors and electricians right now. So we've been having speakers out at those events who can sort of distill what's the key things that contractors need to know about the new uh, the new code, and then there's an opportunity to make you know have a have a networking reception and have have dinner as well. So make sure that you come out to those events. And the other big thing is, you know, we're, as an industry association, it's it as I say to our members, it's it's your association. Uh, I'm me and the team are always available to to hear the concerns, thoughts, and ideas from membership as well, and that's. An important bit of engagement that's uh, it's critical for us to ensure we're accurately representing the sector. I want to jump into your personal background a little bit. You've kind of touched on uh, some of your your past experience uh, in GR, and I'm wondering if you can just kind of give kind of a glossy overview of kind of how your career has evolved to kind of to to where you're at now. I've kind of always worked uh, in communications and in government throughout my career, even starting back when I my first jobs in high school and in college. So the first job I ever actually had was working for the local newspaper. I'm I'm, a, I'm an Islander. I grew up in, in Port McNeil. So I worked for the North Island Gazette seasonally for a couple of summers through high school and through college and also supplemented that with work on a on an annual sort of media publication. that was sort of a year in review, year look ahead during my my summers of college as well. So that's that's always been in the way that I the way that I've worked. Coming out of college, I, I transitioned to a role in government. I worked in the provincial government for uh, about seven years in a in a number of roles, sort of in communications as a political aide and as a speechwriter. And from there, sort of made the fairly standard and, and logical transition into communications and government relations consulting. I had a good opportunity to to work in really a, a lot of different sectors and for a lot of different organizations 
across the, the economic sphere, whether it be big energy projects, mining, post-secondary, retail, nonprofit, technology, clean energy, and more. So I was very fortunate in the diversity and clients that I got to work for, but the type of work I was doing was pretty consistently focused around corporate comms, government relations, media relations, and, and, and crisis comms as well. And then from there, as I mentioned earlier, I, I spent some time with the Mining Association of British Columbia, which is an, an outstanding organization doing, I think, really important and really valuable work helping people understand the way the mining sector uh, has changed and, and has you know, consistently evolved and trying to help people get a, a really good sense of the role that mining will play in this transition to the, the clean energy world and clean energy economy. So uh, I really enjoyed my time working at MABC until the opportunity arose to, to come over here to the Electrical Contractors Association. Is there anything in your career that kind of sticks out as a highlight uh, prior to the role at ECABC? It's always tricky uh, to talk about favorite moments when much of your career has been spent uh, in consulting because the wins the wins really belong to, to your clients and, and rightfully so in their teams. The one thing, which is very much not one thing that I'm really proud of is the ability to become a trusted advisor for so many individuals and organizations that I admire and respect. I think it's really gratifying when when good people and good organizations give you and have the confidence in you to see to seek your support with their biggest priorities or when they're in in time of need awesome that's really powerful uh, to get that kind of uh, intrinsic value uh, out of your career uh, last question here i've got for you before we jump into our final four is i think just advice for other leaders who are stepping into new roles you know is there anything that you you did to prepare yourself for this transition it could be a mindset thing, just take some time away to clear your head before jumping into the new role, something like that. I've been really fortunate to work for some really exceptional people and leaders in my career. Um, and it's funny, like in recent years, as I've took on sort of increasing leadership roles, I often find myself either quoting directly or emulating the lessons I've learned from them. So I'm really grateful for those experiences. You know, I'm fairly new to this role. I'm not somebody who's going to go out and tell people this is how you should lead. My own leadership approach is centered around trust and accountability. Now, as a, as a leader, I think that that starts with holding yourself accountable to your own standards and principles. Um, if you're not consistent and honest in your performance uh, and self-evaluation as a leader, that shows up to your staff and it makes it impossible to you know ensure and impose that same level of accountability within your team. So at the end of the day, it really comes down to the people you work with and for need to need to have complete confidence that you're going to actually do the things that you say you're going to do. Okay. Awesome. Very much appreciate that. Uh, and to close this out, uh, I've got four quick questions that we ask each interviewee starting off. Do you have a favorite book? Uh, I'm, so I'm not a big, I'm not a big nonfiction reader. Uh, I never have been for some reason. I, you know, consume and educate myself in, in other ways, but on that side, if I were to pick one, I'll, I'll, I would go with the classic Jim Collins, good to great, uh, which is, I really enjoyed the book, but it's funny because as a PR uh, consultant, I, I actually very much eschewed the opposite of what the entire point of that book was. And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of value in specialization when it comes to, you know, being a consultant, especially in comms. Like you'll have people who are digital experts who are, who are pure public affairs people. But I always also thought that there was a lot of value in having somebody on your team who could do a little bit of everything. And you know, I, I used to say to my managing partners, you know, I want to be the person who doesn't matter what new client comes in the door, I can, I can probably work for them. So sort of, even though, even though I'm a big fan of the good to great philosophy, that was, uh, 
funny that I, I completely largely ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, a favorite app outside of Microsoft Office or email? Uh, so I'll, I'll cheat and say two because they're sort of connected. I'm a big sports fan, so I love The Athletic. Um, and that's one of my go-tos every day. I'm also a, a big user of, of Twitter. You know, obviously Twitter has recently taken very fairly a lot of heat for uh, the deci- for its relatively poor decision-making. But for me, I've, I, you know, I appreciate it as a platform where you can get a constant stream of, of information. One of his biggest complaints is that it's an echo chamber, and that can absolutely be true. But that's self-curated. You know, that's a decision that people and users make. I love the fact that Twitter provides an opportunity for me to actually easily find and hear from perspectives and voices and individuals who, whose you know worldview is actually the complete opposite of mine. I think that's really, it's really helpful to to better understand the world from the lens of of people and organizations that have opposite sort of stances and perspectives that I do. Yeah, no, I completely agree uh, with you there. Um, best personal advice that you've received, and this could be sort of a, a collection or a summary of something doesn't have to be attributed to a specific person. Best advice I received was that you you play defense with your feet, your head, and your heart. And so I, I was a high school basketball player, and I was a defensive specialist, which is really just a nice way of saying I tried hard and couldn't shoot with it. Shoot with it. <laughs> um, and one one game, I took like three fouls in the first like five minutes, and it was the because of high school sports, it was the vice principal who was the the ref of the game, and I threw like. You know, I didn't handle it super well. The next morning, I'm walking into school, and he sees me. And he he tells me that. You know, the the point is all the point of it wasn't really about basketball, right? Like the point is, there's no easy way. Uh, there's no good shortcuts, right? Like reaching in or like bodying a guy up. It may seem like a good idea in the moment, but at the end of the day, like following the fundamentals uh, will always be more beneficial than trying to do the flashy thing. Um, and so that's that's been something that's really resonated with me throughout my life, like whether it be personal life, career, whatever, just um, doing things the right way will more often than not get you the results that you want. Okay, awesome. I love it. Uh, and the last one for you, favorite restaurant in BC? I've got a, I've got a young uh, young daughter, so we don't get out very much anymore. But uh, Savio Volpe in Vancouver is, is my go-to for a, a nice meal out. Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. 